You're listening to We're Only Human, hosted by Ben Eubanks on the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network. We're Only Human focuses and highlights how modern technology and new ways of working are creating a more people-centric workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.h3hr.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Episode 6 of We're Only Human, a podcast about the intersection of people, technology, and the workplace. This has been Eubanks, your host, and I'm honored to have you in our listening community. Today, we're, I'm going on a little sleep deprivation, and uh, not just today, but every day, pretty much, since the new baby was here. Um, little Berkeley's doing well. Eubanks household's getting ready for the holidays. Uh, one of our traditions is baking sweet goodies to deliver to friends, family, and other people, and it's one of those things I never get tired get tired of love having the kids involved to help teach them about generosity and giving and all that fun stuff it's just one of those those great experiences and i I look forward to passing that down beyond my kids one day many many years in the future i'm not sure when this episode is going to air but i'm getting ready for some really interesting stuff coming in 2017 i've been doing some research lately around video interviewing assessments in the candidate experience really interesting data coming back from that about candidate preferences and what they're looking for uh, what they prefer and um I'm also working to schedule some good interviews for upcoming shows on topics like how to use influence to sell your ideas. I've been reading this phenomenal book called The Science of Selling, and I'm looking forward to bringing the author on to talk about some of the concepts in the book because I think that even if we don't work in sales, we can use the ideas, the concepts to be better at selling. Uh, as always, if you want to get more information about the podcast, listen to previous episodes, contact me, any of that good stuff, you can visit upstarthr.com slash podcast. That's upstarthr.com slash podcast. Today, I'm sharing a recent interview with Lynn Miller, a friend that's doing some really interesting research into HR tech, startups, leadership, and more. She's done research on companies like DDI, Swoop Talent, Jelly Vision Labs, Great People, Fuel 50, Mercer Innovation Hub, and many more. The thing I want you to remember as you listen to the show is that the research she's doing can help you be better in your own HR career. You know, I've always laughed about attending HR conferences and being in the minority as a male, but when you get into the higher ranks of HR, it starts to even out. There's, it's, it's more balanced. And why is that? Why are there more men higher in the ranks of HR than, than just uh, in the lower? What do female executives and leaders know and do that sets them apart? Look for those insights and more in today's episode of We're Only Human. Now, on with the show. We're Only Human is focused on the intersection of people and technology. And one of the things I've really been interested in of late is the talent behind that technology. Specifically, what kind of people and talent practices are in place behind the HR tools that we use every day? So two things kind of really spurred me to want to talk about this. First, I actually posted on the Lighthouse Research blog recently about using Glassdoor data to analyze a few of the HR tech companies as a way to really explore that aspect. Like, what are the employees like about working there? What's the culture like? What are the CEO approval ratings and those kind of things? Also, I actually heard someone speaking last week and one of their comments hit me pretty hard and it made me think. Um, he said, if someone stole your code, you know, they ripped off your app, they took the thing that you use and you sell, how would you still win? And I think that comes down to the talent behind the platform that's really the differentiator. And since we're talking about the people behind the technology, today I'm actually interviewing a friend, Lynn Miller. She's a business partner. She's really sharp. And she's been doing some really interesting research in this area lately. And I've been fortunate enough to kind of had a peek over her shoulder into the work she's been doing. So, Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you. 
Awesome. We're glad to really, I'm really glad to have you here. And I think everybody else is going to enjoy the conversation. So tell me a little bit about your history, kind of what led you to where you are today. Well, I have spent the last 20 or so years in the world of learning, and I was always on the cutting edge of technology in a sales role. So I was what I call a recovering sales executive. And while I love the technology, I noticed that it was ex it's really expanding tremendously, and the market was expanding. And I started to wonder what it would be like if um, the – buyers had more information about the people behind the technology so that maybe they could make better choices about their relationships absolutely with, with vendors absolutely yeah we've, we've talked about it a little bit in the past people like investors they want to know that you know it's part of their decision making process but for mm -hmm. most of the the buyers they might not have thought that far ahead to think you know they're thinking can i get this service level agreement or can i get you know this piece of functionality but really the kind of company that is behind that whether it's the leadership you know the ceos and all the research you've been doing or it could even be you know just the culture and the way they treat people those things influence that if not directly then at least indirectly and i think that matters a lot the more you start to really dig in and think about how that can change the relationship the level of service you're getting the you know the technology innovation all those different aspects that we rely on from those vendors right Absolutely. I mean, with, with the brand of any company being first and foremost to making a difference in engagement and their ownership of who they are and how they perform, the brand of the vendors is equally as important. And the leadership that's associated with that is what really helps organizations stand out one against another. So tell me a little bit about this research that you're doing. Who are who you – well – Start off, who are some of the people and companies you're talking to? Well, you know, when you and I were working together on, on, on working with um, some of the smaller HR technology companies that were growing fast, we came across a large number, a, a, few, a few women-owned companies. Mm -hmm. And I really have a passion about women all over the world building and growing and owning businesses. And this became more less of a less of a nice thing to do and more of a critical thing to do for me as and when we went to the HR tech conference you and I we there was a section on um, leaders in HR who were females and the thing that was most disturbing to me was there weren't any CEOs of some of these HR tech companies and I said well where are they if they're not here <laughs> so I started looking and there were only 20 and I said there can't be just 20 there's hundreds and hundreds of them um, of the HR tech companies. So I dug a little deeper and I got oh, up to 30. And that was really surprising to me. And I said, you know, what would it be like if this, among these 900 or so applications in the industry, a good 20% of the companies were led by CEO, led by women who was, who were the CEOs. And and that was the beginning. And I wanted to find out what was it going to take, A, to expand that group, and B, um, what do the women have as an advantage over um, males who are CEOs of companies? Hmm. Interesting. So who have you been talking to in this research? I've been talking to companies that are in uh, various sizes, um, all the way from a company like DDI, 
which is a very old company, but mm -hmm. brand new in its focus because Tacey Byam is now the CEO, to brand new companies such as um, <clears throat> Skill Scout, which is led by Elena Valentine. And it's just a little over a year old. So it goes, you know, all the way up and down the gamut. I think it's really been interesting that companies like um, Hiregate, which is part of people science, some of these were services companies that turned into software companies. Yeah, and that's been a really interesting evolution that we've seen kind of in our briefings and interviews with a lot of different vendors that they're able to bring a lot of those things it's, it's a different kind of evolution starting out as a technology company and growing that and starting out as a surface company and growing the technology piece because they really, over that time, have really become in tune with what the customers are interested in, what they need, what their demands are, how to serve them well. Because uh, I think I told it to you yesterday, in a service business, you have to do that every day, right? You have to earn that relationship every day. Right. In, a, right. in the SaaS-based technology world, Hey, you know, as long as they're they're sending you a, sending you a check once a year or whatever the the period is, you know, it's, it can be fairly hands off depending on the type of technology and you know how much maintenance required and all those kind of fun things. But those people that have that service mindset because they're a service business, they take a different approach to bring that into the technology world. So I think it's really a neat aspect of what you're doing, and I know that you're doing some research on customer satisfaction with HR technology and things like that too. I know it all kind of blends together. It does. It does all blend together, and I think that's what's been probably the most surprising to me, is that at least for the organizations where there's, um, where they were services companies that have evolved, those, <clears throat> excuse me, those organizations, they already know to treat their customers as human beings. Like they, that's really part of their DNA. Software companies, they kind of say, well, here's the way it works. <laughs> And you need to adapt to the software. It's a little different. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little about some of the research. What are you finding? What sort of things are coming out of this? Because, I mean, a lot of people would love to, you know, have the have the insight from even one of these people. And I know you've done more than 10 interviews now, right? I can't remember what the total's up to. Yes, I've done a dozen, and there's about five more on the calendar. Okay, excellent. So what are you finding? Well, I'm finding that in a lot of these cases, what's really important to the women who um, founded and own these companies is that they have people in their organization that are flexible and really want to take ownership of the success of the company and are kind of willing to step in and do whatever it takes to make a difference in addition to the role that they already have. So that's one area. And on the flip side of that, the CEOs are really open to contributions from everybody on their team. They don't assume that if you're in the role of developer that you can't make a contribution in another part of the organization. The second area is that in a lot of the cases, the technology that has been built was built by some uh, uh, genius <laughs> that they discovered through networking. They didn't necessarily invent it themselves. As a matter of fact, almost none of them did. Very interesting. I think one of the one of the comments that I made you the other day, I'd heard had heard another podcast from goodness HubSpot, their growth show, which is which is an excellent podcast, and they were talking about. Um, what those early stage companies are looking for. And again, some of the companies you're talking to are very early, some are, some are more mature. But when someone goes in to evaluate one of those early stage companies, 
you know what, they really might not have 10 years of, of sales data and customer satisfaction scores and all the other kind of things to look at. And the, the person they were interviewing said, when I step in and I have to make a decision about whether we're going to put money behind this company and coach and guide them and all these other things and invest whatever resources we have, all I can look at are the, is the team. You know, the people that are driving this thing, that philosophy, mm -hmm. you know, of the team is going to make or break the company. It's really it's really true in any industry. And you're I think you're really seeing that with these interviews you're doing, because, again, I'm getting little little bits and pieces of them here and there. And I can't wait to to see something. You know, I know you're working and, and sharing blog posts on LinkedIn and things about some of the findings from these as you come across them. And I'm, I'm loving, you know, absorbing those. But I'm looking forward to something more holistic just to give you more something else to do you know <laughs> a little extra piece of work <laughs> commit you to something but again it's it's so neat i've seen this you know and the research that i do but the more that you you have these conversations the more you can start to see these these themes and threads that you can start pulling together that others again just don't have because they don't have that perspective of talking to a dozen two dozen you know eventually you know 30 or more of these female ceos and founders and, and just their amazing insights you know, it's just a, a lot of fun to imagine where this can go. Yeah, I agree. I think that's it's really interesting that, you know, there's a, there's a need for transparency in this industry. And these women are completely committed to that. The first thing they do when they really have a conversation with anybody is to really be transparent about what what their intentions are for the business, what they want to have as a relationship with the customers. And um really make sure that in a lot of cases that they're they're comfortable with ambiguity because in the early stages of their development um, as leaders, they took some great talent, but the talent wasn't really comfortable with so much ambiguity. So they started to be much clearer about that, you know, and, and every day your mm -hmm. job could be different. Yes, absolutely. So that Excellent. was big. Excellent. So cool. Um, and again, I, I don't mean to commit you to anything because I, I know that you're you have multiple projects you're juggling right now. But what are mm -hmm. your ongoing plans for this? I mean, are you gonna? I assume you're gonna continue this because I know that it's a passion of yours. But um, you know, what are your what are your thoughts about that? Well, I definitely am going to. I'm in the process of organizing the information and the data and the pieces of data so that we can really do a more comprehensive write up about what's going on and. Um, and deliver that either by the end of this year or the beginning of next year. So there will be a, there will be a report that kind of highlights all the key findings and takeaways about what it takes to be successful. The other thing that's becoming really apparent is that they no one organization has all the answers. And so as I start to meet, speak with them and deal and, and listen to what it is they're really grappling with, there's usually a name of somebody else that comes up in the conversation and said, you know, have you met this person? And then we and we start to and so the connections begin. So I think what we're going to do is some start to schedule some small meetings, virtual meetings, so that they can exchange information with each other. It seems like I've read this again, this this might be the my made up fact for the day, but it seems like I've read research that shows that women in those types of leadership roles typically lead more collaboratively than mm -hmm. a man would. And again, that's 
Maybe that's just uh, my opinion. We'll stake that on that for now because I don't know. <laughs> I don't have any data in front of me to, to back that up. But when I think back over the leaders I've worked for, that seems to be the case anecdotally at least that, you know, in general, the men I've worked for are more take charge, direct, pointed. The women are more willing to collaborate, to cooperate, to, you know, whatever they need to do to pull in the right resources to do it. They know I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the control but that's okay because I have a good group of people around me that I do trust and can rely on and that, you know, together we can make this happen. So I think it's going to be really exciting to see where that goes and the value that comes out of that for those people. Again, think about it from the perspective of that person that's just starting out in a brand new company, you know, founded it yesterday. The new hasn't worn off yet. And they're, they're, (laughs) they're looking at their business plan, like, you know, how do I go from this to that, you know, that mature company with, with the technology, with a set of customers that they're proud of? How do they go from that that entry spot to, to the more mature level? And a part of that is going to be having some mentorship from people that have been there and done that, you know, fewer scrapes and, and mm-hmm. uh, problems um, going and following those kinds of things. But also just the, those, like I said, those themes and those other things from the conversations you've had with these women, whether it is these are the two or three characteristics that really set you apart successfully from everybody else. If you do this, Mm -hmm. you know, it's more likely to lead to you making a successful contribution in this sort of area than others. So again, it's just really neat, Mm -hmm. really exciting to me again from the outside, not a woman, obviously, but still very pumped about the HR tech space in general and, and excited about where this is going. So I'm excited about Again, following some of these things that you're, you're sharing about and seeing what happens. Because I think we've talked about, you know, the H, uh, I know that Steve and Trish on the HR Happy Hour show recorded, a, recorded an episode after HR Technology talking about the Women in Technology session or pre-conference session, first day of the mm-hmm. conference. I can't remember what, exactly what they, what they called it, but that piece of the conference was yep. well attended. And, Standing room only. Yes. And, and this coming year, they want to do even more with that. They wanted to make it even mm-hmm. bigger and better because they realized there's there's a real demand for that. That was kind of a, a test run this year. They didn't know how well it was going to be received. Oh, interesting. Well, I would say there's two things that I think are going to be interesting to see if we can evolve by um, the next HR technology conference. One of them has to be around funding because the pool of funding is vast and there's plenty of it and the way women run their companies and actually the technology that they build fits right into the sweet spot of what investors want they just don't see them very they don't see that they're not very very visible so mm-hmm. so the issue about how to get visibility and then what what it takes to develop the relationship with a vendor that i mean with a um an investor that really works is something that's pretty critical and um There is no secret sauce on that one. There's some that are stronger than others. And there are are women who are really helping women in terms of connecting them to investors. That's first of all. And the second thing is really around um, building that infrastructure in a way that makes sense so that it can scale fast. So what women are looking at in terms of scaling an organization when they get funding is they're not so fast to hire a whole army of sales folks. Um, they're being much more strategic in the way they build their infrastructure, and it's paying off very well. Mm-hmm. So I think what is it going to take if you're somebody that's either an, a senior leader in an organization or you've got a consulting company and you want to be the CEO, 
and founder of an HR tech company, what's it going to take? I think there's going to be some a tremendous amount of interest in that kind of a track. Hmm, very interesting. So this has been, again, a lot of good stuff. Uh, if someone wants to find out more about the, the research you're doing or just to follow you in general and, and connect, mm -hmm. how can they get in touch with you? How can they follow you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. My name is Lynn Miller, and the name of my company is LEM Advisory Group, and that URL is also on my LinkedIn page because um, it's lemadvisorygp.com, and from there, they can email me, but I'm very interested in discovering if there are others in HR tech that are um, CEOs that I just haven't found yet because now our list is up past 40. Hmm. And at some point, I think what I'd like to do is use them, use all the, some of these women to teach others so that we can expand this um, community very fast. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really had... That's one of the things that we talked about early on is this organic kind of growth of it. In the, in the beginning, it was just you had an interesting idea. You wanted to pursue that. And then as more people started to realize, again, going back to that collaborative sort of comment, more people started joining in and sharing and, and putting in their insights and their information to help make it bigger because it's something that a lot of people are interested in seeing succeed, I think. And we talked about this a little bit, not to get off on a tangent too much, but the parallels – you know, some people might be hearing this and saying, you know what, I work in HR and this doesn't, this doesn't, you know, apply to me, but I think it does, you know, mm -hmm. HR is heavily, heavily female dominated, but when you go to an executive level event, it's almost half and half in terms of the male participation in the audience. And that's strange to me, you know, at the lower levels, it's heavily dominated by women. Well, that's if you right. want to be a successful leader, why don't you take some, take some of these ideas, some of these insights, some of these principles from these female CEOs, these leaders that are that are you know rocking it in terms of their leadership, that are showing that they mm -hmm. can that they can accomplish things in the world, those things that made them successful can make someone successful regardless of their role, whether they are in HR, whether they're in recruiting, whether they're in learning, whatever sort of piece of that they come from, and it's really to be able to take it from those people that are close to solving the same problems that we deal with every day in HR. I think that's just kind of the fun, the fun side benefit of this as well. So it's, mm -hmm. a, it's really just an interesting kind of approach and I'm excited about it. Um, thank you again, Lynn, for joining us. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. This is wonderful. Yes, I'm so excited to, to share what we're learning and um, put together a report that's meaningful. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you again to everybody else for checking out this episode of We're Only Human. I'm your host, Ben Eubanks, and please join us next time as we continue to explore the intersection of people, technology, and the workplace. Thanks. Thanks for listening to We're Only Human with Ben Eubanks on the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network. To learn more and to listen to the show archives for We're Only Human, and all the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network shows, go to www.h3hr.com. And remember to subscribe to the HR Happy Hour Network podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast player app.